We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. How do I say victory? Jesus. How do I say hope? Jesus. Amen. Amen. Look at somebody beside you and say, you look all right. Come on, you look all right. <laughs> that ain't what I said. Somebody said that y'all look fantastic. Just... Hey, God is so good. We're ready to move forward. Amen. You ready to hear from the Lord today? I am. I want to hear his voice. Before we get into the word today, though, I do need to make you aware of a few things because we are going to move forward. I would like to welcome our online congregation as well this morning. We're glad that you are watching. We hope that you will uh, spread the word. We want, to, we want to reach souls for the Lord. Amen. Uh, that's what it's about, spreading the gospel. However, God gives us a tool to do that. We want to spread the word of God. And so we'd like to welcome those that are watching online this morning as well. But I need to make you aware of a few things that are going on. We are moving forward with the church calendar. Um, and we will go forward till we can't go forward. And uh, we're going to uh, practice safety measures, of course, uh, this Wednesday. But this Wednesday is our annual campfire night at the church. Uh, we do this every uh, fall, and we have a chili cook-off. We have a cornhole tournament and uh, just all kinds of fun stuff going on, s'mores. Uh, and this is an opportunity for you to invite people to come that maybe aren't ready to come to a traditional service, a regular service setting, so that they can get to meet some of our forever family. Um, if you are new at Harvest and you've been attending Harvest and you, you're like, well, I don't really know a lot of people, this is a great opportunity for you to get to meet some of those folks that you're going to church with. And uh, I do believe that there are building blocks that were laid out by the Apostle Paul for the church, and one of those building blocks was fellowship. And so we, uh, we are going to be having that. We're going to practice some safety. All the eating and everything is going to be taking place outside, and so uh, it's going to be an outside event, weather permitting. And so, um, you know, uh, for those of you that like s'mores, there are going to be some s'mores. Um, for those of you that uh, have your own souped-up peanut butter cups, you have to bring in. So I know some of y'all like them peanut butter things. Y'all going crazy on me. So anyway, but no, we're going to have a great time. It is a chance for you to connect with people, a chance. Somebody says, well, that's not really spiritual. Then you need to just disregard the word. Because the church broke bread. They fellowship together. They've got to know one another. And look, I know people that can go to church a lifetime and be strangers. And they're in the same building every week. That, that can't happen. Amen, Harvest? Come on. You don't, if you agree with that, that can't happen. About five or six of us. <laughs> Come on, I knew there was probably a few more of you. We want to connect with each other, okay? So keep that in mind. You can start bringing your chili in. You say, who can compete? Anybody that wants to. I am the reigning champion for this year, so you got to knock me off my pedestal. So anyway, um, so Julie didn't compete last year, so she might have to try to take me out this year. I don't know. So anyhow, but come come be a part of that. It's a lot of fun, and, uh, and uh, it, again, we just have a good time with it. 
Now, uh, with that said, I want to move into uh, also our youth workers. All of our youth workers, I need to see you at 2.30 here at the church uh, for a meeting. Um, those who are in youth pastoral leadership, teach class, that kind of thing. All right, with that said, I'm, I'm going to go into uh, some more thoughts today on this Power of Love series we've been walking into. And today we're going to go back to uh, the initial uh, beginning of this message where I shared with you three things that the Lord had laid on my heart that was affecting the church and it was affecting individuals and there were three different words the Lord spoke into my spirit and these were months ago but one of those was distraction the other one was availability and the other one was vulnerability and today we're going to talk about uh, what it means to become available to the Lord okay available or not available but uh, just or, or get rid of distractions so that we might come become available to the Lord so in other words you can't become available as long as you're distracted. You can't become uh, something that God's not going to be able to, you're not going to hear him until you get rid of some distractions. And so uh, today we're going to talk about what it means to, to put away the distractions and we're going to use John's chapter 6 to kind of bring home this point. And it's a very familiar passage of scripture. This is the feeding of the multitude and I know you probably heard this story a lot. If you've been in church since a child, you've heard it a lot. But today you're going to hear it a little bit differently because we're not necessarily getting caught up in the miracle part as much as we are some of the points that lead up to this. Now, before we get into John chapter 6, I want to carry you back to John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, uh, the groundwork for the entire writing of John takes place. In John chapter 1, John de declares to us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he goes on to say, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. That that that. <clears throat> was made. In, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And that's kind of where we're anchoring uh, through this series, and we're anchoring through this time uh, uh, together as we study through what John had to say, is that there in the beginning was the logos. That's the, the, the big fancy word for uh, uh, the Greek word for the word. Okay, the same word could be used except it's in Hebrew, which means in the beginning God said and the word was spoken. So the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was that word in flesh and blood. Okay, so what John is saying is when you establish that Jesus was there at, all, at the beginning, when you establish that Jesus is the Logos, the word, then you can apply it to everything else that's written in the book of John. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take that thought we're going to carry it through the scripture this morning and we're going to, we're going to see where it leads us. Now, fast forward to John chapter 6 and let's begin uh, uh, reading this and we're going to get into what it means to get rid of our distractions, okay? Again, Jesus fed the 5,000. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is in the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing uh, on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing the, 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 that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where, uh, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? 
He said this to test him, for he knew what he was about to do. And as I uh, read this, could you just see kind of a, that, that uh, sheepish grin across Jesus' face, you know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay this out here, but I already got a plan. I already know it. You ever, you ever run into They tell you something, but they ask you that loaded question, and they already know what they're about to do. In other words, Jesus was like, come on, Philip, let's see what you do with this. He already knew what he was about to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii, which is about... 200 silver coins. That's a lot of money uh, in this time. I mean, this is wealth. Uh, worth of bread would not even buy enough for each of them to, have, to get a little morsel, or one translation says a pinch. Okay, we couldn't feed this multitude if we had uh, two, two, 200 silver coins and were wealthy. We couldn't buy enough bread for them. Amen. And so uh, one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Now, uh, again, Jesus said, uh, have, the, have the people sit down. Now there was a, much grass in that place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So all the fish, as much as they wanted. And, th and when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And verse 14 says, and when the people saw the signs that he had done, they said, this indeed is and this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to take him by force and make him a king, Jesus withdrew again uh, to the mountain by himself. Now, I want to kind of stop here and we're going to kind of retrace some things and go back through this. But first, we're going to talk about distractions. How many of you are in this room would honestly say, I am easily distracted? Come on, uh, you know, easily distracted. Uh, I like the movie Up. Anybody like the movie Up? Uh, and who likes Doug? Doug is an awesome dog, and Doug can talk. He has a device to help him talk. But Doug has a problem. He is easily distracted. Uh, you know, he's talking to him, and all of a sudden he goes, oh, squirrel. And he's gone. His mind has checked out. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you're making good eye contact, and you're thinking you're having a great conversation, and all of a the sudden they check out? Come on, you see it, they just kind of drift off, they lose eye contact with you, and you're thinking, they don't hear a word I'm even talking about. They're, they're not, last night Paige was uh, sitting in the, in the den, I'm watching football, and when I'm watching football, I'm not paying enough attention to nothing. I am a tunnel vision. The only thing I'm doing is yelling at the team through the TV, which I am positive they hear me. Positive, they hear me, and 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 I. So I'm. I am not. You know, I'm. I'm just focused on this, and and then Tina's focused on something, and finally, uh, Paige begins to just say shocking things, and I don't hear it, and she don't hear it, and finally she says one word that really shocked me, and I said, "What'd you say?" And and not bad, but just you know, shocking things about what she was doing. And finally, she said, "I've been talking now forever, and you guys hadn't even noticed the whole time." If she wants my attention, put on a Georgia Bulldog uniform and stand in front of the TV. Then you blend in with my field of vision, and, and you know, I might actually acknowledge your presence in the room because it was the first half, and I was not happy, okay? I'll just say that. Um, I don't like my heart going in, out of rhythm like that. So anyhow, um, I, was, I, was distra I, I don't want to be distracted. Some of us were easily distracted, okay? Uh, let's do something kind of fun in here today, okay? On the count of three, I want everybody to do this. Put your hands out. Come on. 
This is audience participation time. Put your hand out, and on the count of three, I want you just to clap, okay? One, two, three. Wow. Do it again. One, two, three. Y'all were together that time. One, two, three. Again, one, two, three. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Hold on to that. We're going to, get, we're going to build off that in just a moment. Timing is everything. We get easily distracted. We get our minds off things. One of the number one killers of, of not just teenagers, this is adults as well, one of the number one killers now is not drinking and driving. It's, that's still holding up there. But what is one of the number one killers? Distracted driving. Looking at their phone, fooling with the radio, okay? Who's guilty of that? We do have cops in the room, so you may want to just go like that. So anyway, I'm just playing. So anyway, what are you saying? I'm saying distracted driving. We get distracted. We get, you know, life throws curveballs at us, okay? There's, you know, you get up one morning, things are going great. Your coffee has that perfect cream to coffee mixture and you're like this is the perfect you're good you know the you know you turn on and the radio hits the right song maybe you programmed it that way but it doesn't matter everything's going your way and you get in the car and you're like man i'm ready for work and you go or you begin to back up and you hear that block 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 flat tire Distraction. Distraction. I was having a pretty good day the other day, and uh, I got a text from someone said, um, what happened to Robert? And uh, I said, Robert who? Because I haven't, this, this, I know this guy, but he's not in my circle. Okay, we, we've worked together years ago in camps, but he wasn't in my circle of people that I was in the loop with. And, I, and he said, Robert Burns passed away. And uh, Robert was a minister, uh, and he was in the St. Mary's area. You might have to bring me a handheld if this keeps popping. Um, and Robert was pulling out and... Uh, early in the morning and pulled out in front of an ambulance and Robert faced Jesus left behind a wife and kids and my mind immediately began to think he didn't get up this morning thinking he was going to see Jesus he didn't get up this morning thinking he was going to face the Lord and immediately I'm distracted. I'm distracted off of everything I was focused on for that day onto a million offshoots of where would my family be? You know how that goes if that happened to me. What about his family? What about Becky and the kids? You know, I'm thinking, what about all the kids that he ministered to on a daily basis at his local church? And I'm thinking all these things are going through my head. Distraction. So it's not always funny things. Sometimes it's serious things that get a hold of us. In other words, how many's had this happen? All, you know, uh, you, things are trucking well, and all of a sudden the phone rings, and it's the bank fraud protection saying, did you? you know buy you know plane tickets today to go to Honolulu no I didn't I, true story <laughs> well right now you're in St. Louis and you're buying such and such no I'm not distractions 
In marriage, you ever been trucking along, things seem to be great, communication is great, and all of a sudden you realize you're not communicating at all. There's been a breakdown somewhere. Distractions. Distractions are everywhere, and with the disciples, they were no different. This multitude had gathered, and the Bible says a large crowd. Do you realize that it is estimated because they did not include women and children in their counting in Bible times? They only counted the men. But they, if, if you include women and children, that this number could have rose as high as 25,000 people, they said. It, it was a large, large group of people, regardless of how big. It didn't matter if it was 5,000 or 20,000. It was a lot of people with 12 guys and a Messiah, and they're saying, feed them. How? They were distracted by the crowd, as a matter of fact, it probably made them feel pretty good because up until this point, their attendance had been 12. Now all of a sudden, the church has exploded. They're distracted. Jesus has healed the sick. Jesus has got the attention of the people, so they follow him. And the Bible says when Jesus sees this crowd, one, one translation says he has compassion on them, and he looks and he says to Philip, feed them we got to feed them. And Philip is overwhelmed by the, the request. He's saying, I, you're asking us to do the impossible because I'm distracted by the, by the gravity of the situation here. Now, it may have been many times before when they didn't have that many people where Jesus said, feed them, and they did that. They took of the treasury and they took care of people. But now all of a sudden, Jesus lays before them a task that's greater than they are. You ever been there? Follow me. Sure. And then you get to a situation that's so much bigger, and Jesus says, take care of it. Deal with it. And you're looking at the distractions. You're looking at, listen, if David had looked at the size of the giant for too long, I believe doubt would have creeped in. But he assessed the situation and he realized that if God is with him, then there's nothing impossible for God. But the longer he stared at it, the greater that giant would grow. I'm convinced of that. The longer Philip stared at the crowd, the bigger the crowd got. He's saying, wait a minute. Even if we were wealthy, even if we had all the money we needed, we, even if there was, and he throws a number out there, if we had 200 silver coins, we could only buy them a pinch of bread. Then you have Andrew approach Jesus in, in, in verse 8, and Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. By the way, Andrew is going to go down as one of the greatest heroes of faith, I'm convinced. Why? Because every time you see Andrew mentioned, it's not him standing up and preaching great messages. It's not him. We don't turn to the gospel of Andrew, do we? What do you hear about Andrew? You don't hear a whole lot about Andrew, but the, one time, the few times he's mentioned, he's always doing something that is beyond the imagination. In other words, he's doing something that seems ordinary in the eyes of people, and then the master gets a hold of it and does something extraordinary. What is the first thing you find out about this man, Andrew? The first act he does is bring his brothers to Jesus. Come see the Messiah. We found him, the Christ. And one of those brothers happened to be Simon Peter, who would be at the forefront of the leadership of the church eventually. 
There's a boy here, Peter, as Andrew said. There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Distracted by the multitude and the amount it would take to feed them, they look at this ordinary thing. They look at this ordinary lunch because this was, we think loaves of bread, you think you're going to get a big thing of sunbeam. They were rolls. They weren't huge. It was a little boy's lunch. Enough to feed a child. How many of you, if you're going to send lunch to the school, you, you, know, you send a foot-long sub with your little boy or little girl? No, you don't. It was a normal lunch. The ordinary is enough for Jesus. What seems to be mundane in our lives is enough for Jesus. For Jesus will take that which seems normal, that which seems ordinary, and after he blesses it and he breaks it, it will become a miracle in the eyes of not only men, but all of those who are blessed by it. God can take an ordinary life and he can do amazing things with it. And there are people sitting here today that says, what can I do for this Jesus? I know he's saved me. I know he's come into my life. But what can he do with my life? I just work at the mill field. I just try to get by and be a decent man, a decent woman, take care of my family. I'm not anything special. That's okay because my God makes up for my ordinary and he is super ordinary in my life. You have to be willing to get rid of the distractions to be placed in his hands. Two things happened after this boy's lunch is placed in God's hands, in Jesus' hands. The first thing he does is he blesses it, and then he breaks it. My mind don't work normal. I've shared this so many times. Some of you already know what I'm about to say. But I ask myself crazy questions about Scripture sometimes. Where did the fish start multiplying? Where did the bread start actually multiplying? You ever thought about that? Well, I think it's plain to see. It was not in the blessing. It was in the breaking. And all of us, including me, want the blessings. Do we not? And I got news for you. It's hard. If, if my friend's wife was here, it would be hard to preach this to her. Because it's something you got to grab hold of faith that Becky, somewhere in this breaking, God is going to unleash a miracle. Somewhere in life's breaking, when it's placed in his hands, God will take what's ordinary and release his power through it to do what is beyond. And I'm here to tell you, I am totally convinced that when those people received that fish and bread that had been put in the hands of Jesus and blessed and broken by the hands of Jesus, when they began to eat it, it was the best fish they had ever tasted. It was the best bread they had ever tasted. I've got news for you. The church needs to come to the Lord, not to be blessed, but to be broken so that he might do great things through us. The ordinary. The ordinary. The Bible says in verse 12, when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftovers, the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the barley loaves left by those who had eaten. 
12 baskets, 12 disciples. There's a point in that. 12 baskets, 12 disciples. What was he saying to his disciples? You brought to me something ordinary. You looked at the, the overwhelming crowd and you allowed those distractions to doubt, to cause your faith to doubt. And you looked at how powerful, but you forgot who was here. That blessing was the logos, the word. And when I speak into something, great things happen. When God speaks into your life, great things happen. When God speaks into your life, he will take a life that is broken by addiction and make it a blessing to reach others and pull them from the flames and the torture of that prison. I'm here to tell you, when God gets a hold of us, make things will happen because it's the logos it's the word speaking into us God also shows them through this that God is a God of the overflow God is a God of the overflow I have never in my life had God just meet my need Just give me what I needed for the moment. He has always done exceedingly and above and beyond what I've asked. How about you? God, I need you to do this little thing. And God says, okay, I'll do that and more. I'll do that and more. For I have not seen, the scripture says, Ear is not heard, neither is entered into the heart of man the good things the Lord has prepared for them that love Him. The Logos speaks. He is a God of the overflow. You see, God doesn't want to just save you. God wants to change you and transform you into a, a messenger of His faith. God doesn't want to just rescue you from, from the hurts of this life. He wants to heal those hurts so that you might be used to heal others. God wants you to realize he will always bless, break, and give an overflow in your life. And if you will begin to look, how many blessings are there fragments of in your life? Leftovers, overflow. Amen? God, I want you to do, God says, I'm going to do more than that. When the people saw the signs, verse 14, that he had, that, of what he had done, they said, this is indeed a prophet who has come into the world. The people got distracted. This is not the, the people were distracted by the wrong thing. They were distracted by the blessing. They were distracted by the miracle. And I'm here to tell you, in other words, later on, Jesus, they will seek him out. Later on in this chapter, they will seek him out because he, he goes to the other side of the lake with his disciples. And there's an amazing little story. You know, Jesus walks on water. Pretty cool. It's in there. But when he gets to the other side, they, the crowd misses him, and so they seek him out, and they go in boats, and they find him. And he tells them some strange things. He said, you didn't seek me for me. You came because your bellies got filled. You came just for the blessing. You wanted nothing to do with me. And if that doesn't sum up the direction of the modern church, I don't know what does. We want a crown, but we don't want a cross. We want a blessing, but we don't want a breaking. We want God to be there for us when it's our convenience. But when we don't need him, we don't want anything to do with him. I'm here to tell you, God will not be treated as a second-hand spare tire, something we run to just when we need him. He wants to be everything to us all the time. Amen. Good preaching. 
He is not a God of our convenience. He said, you sought me for that. They were distracted because they were having their physical needs met. And didn't realize that who was breaking that physical bread was the bread of life himself. Amen. Folks, I'm here to tell you blessings and <laughs> miracles. Look at somebody beside you and say, miracles have an expiration date. Who has ever been divinely healed in this room? It's your turn to testify. Come on, raise your hand. God's healed you of sickness of some kind. And I don't care if it was just a, a cold, but he has healed you. Okay. How many know of somebody that's been divinely healed? Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. They're going to die anyway. Miracles have an expiration date. In other words, <laughs> I think about Lazarus. Lazarus was called out of the tomb. That's an awesome story, is it not? I've heard it said by some really great preachers. If he'd have just said, come forth, then every dead person on the planet would have rose. He had to specify who he was calling. Pretty cool thought. But I think of that story and it's amazing. Roll back the stone. Lord, he stinks. Roll it back anyway. Because I'm fixing to speak into this dark, smelly tomb of death and life is going to come out of it. Lazarus comes out. We think he just strolled out. What's up, Jesus? No, he come out. <laughs> he was bound in grave clothes. <laughs> we really want to make it dramatic, don't we? Lazarus, I'm fourth. <laughs> you know. No, no, he comes out. What does Jesus say? Loose him and let him go. Turn him loose. He's alive. And that's awesome. And there's nothing. But guess what? I hate to bust your bubble. But there's not a guy named Lazarus rolling around in, in, in Israel today saying, yeah, I'm that dude. I can't die if I wanted to. Thank you. I'll take that over an amen. I want you to think about it. He's not just walking around saying, yeah, Jesus called me out of the grave, so it's done. It really stinks to be Lazarus. He died twice. Think about that. So he said, yeah, but Jesus wept. I think he wept for two things. I think he wept because he's fixing to have to pull his buddy out of paradise. And he wept for an unbelieving generation that had seen miracles and signs and wonders and did not realize he had declared he was the resurrection. And I'm here to tell you, the resurrection and the life is in this room. And I don't care how dark your grave is. I don't care how bound you are. He can say, come forth. And those graves, those will have to be loosed in your life. But miracles have an expiration date. Those dudes he cleansed of leprosy, dead. But once he opened the eyes of the blind dead, the deaf he made to hear again dead, lepers dead. Are you following me? I will be 51 this week. I am not old, I am vintage.
But when I was eight years old, I knelt between my mom and dad and I invited Jesus in my heart. And though this body will die, I am alive because there's only one miracle that lasts forever and that's the miracle of salvation in the soul. What good does it do for him to heal this body and he go to hell? And he still go to hell. I believe in healing. Don't get me wrong. I believe, but God does not heal to get the attention of people who already should be serving Him. He heals to get the attention of a world that has rejected Him and says, I don't believe in Him. I'm here to tell you that's why He does miracles. And if you want to see miracles, let's start filling the house with unbelievers. And I'm here to tell you, God will show up. I'm guilty. Come on. If I had been there when Paul was preaching, you think I preach long. Paul was preaching, buddy, and he was preaching, and he was preaching, and a little boy got tired, fell asleep, fell out the window. Oh, that'll mess up a church service. <laughs> it sure will. I guess we get to go home now. This is bad. Paul goes down says get up in the name of Jesus the boy is resurrected from the dead and Paul says alright I got some more things to say come on back in the church if I'd have been there I'd have been like man look high fiving if I'd have been with if I had been at the gate beautiful with, with Peter and John I'd have been like far out look at this the dude actually he's healed not Peter this guy's leaping and jumping, and when he gets through getting through leaping and jumping, he says, all right, now let's go to church. Let's go to the house of prayer. They weren't blown away by the miraculous. They had already been blown away by that for three years when Jesus walked the earth. They now had a fundamental understanding that when God performed miracles, wonders, and signs, It was for the lost to see and know. How many times did Jesus heal somebody and say, now go show yourself to the priest, the very people who hated him. Go, look, the multitudes came out to see him. Why? Because of the signs and the wonders. But when he offered the bread of life, when he began to preach, I am the bread of life, they left. And Jesus looks and says, will you leave too? Oh, I love it. The disciples look at him and say, where will we go? You hold the words of life, eternal life. Somewhere we got to get beyond the lows and the fish and get to what matters. It's Jesus. He is the life changer. He is the one that does a work in us. Now, we Pentecostal. Might have figured that out. And I love the outpouring of the Spirit. And I'm not undermining that. And I believe God can do anything He wants to do. Because He's God. Amen. If He wants to paint me purple and hang me from a tree, that's God. If it's God, that's His business. I might ask for ID. But that's Him. Seriously, it's God. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying it simply this way. He is God and He can do anything He wants to do anytime, anyplace, anywhere.
But if the summation of your experience with God is emotional only, you're not going to be making it too far in this walk. Because I thank God for those mountaintops where we're all shouting and praising God. But there will come a moment when you are walking through some dark times in your life and you're going to need the healer to show up. And he may not show up in clouds of thunder and lightning. He may show up in the form of a little boy's lunch. But don't underestimate what God can do with what seems to be ordinary. Some of us look in the mirror and we beat ourselves up. We tear ourselves down physically, emotionally, and spiritually. What can God do with such an ordinary, not even ordinary, I'm weird, God. Come on. And God says, that's okay. Because if you put it in my hands, I'll amaze the world. But you got to put it in my hands. And you've got to trust me. As a blessing. It's going to bless So that no one receives the glory but Jesus. Amen. Distractions. Shared this in the early service. How many of you watched the vice presidential debate? Anybody? One, two, three. I watched about two seconds of it. Once that fly showed up, that was over. Because nobody can tell you what was said prior to the or after the fly showed up. Come on. Distractions. How could such a small bug? Look, you didn't even live. I'm telling you. I told them some good old boys were sitting around with some suds going, I bet you $10 that fly stays there for the next 10 minutes. You bet on dumber things. Distraction. From that point on, the fly was the story. It's been the subject of the whole debate. We can't tell you what was said. A few things. But it's mainly the fly. A few years ago, I was in, uh, year, many years ago, I met my hot smoking wife in youth camp. You say, you shouldn't talk about your wife like that. If I didn't like her, Why did I marry her? I think the world needs to know that we are attracted to the people we married and we love them and we, they're my, she's got my everything. You hear me? Because that's God. I showed up at that camp never intending to find a wife. Never do. I thought it'd be great. I got a call. I hadn't been to that camp since I was 16 years old. And I get a call from the director and says, hey, we want you to come back to Georgia and we want you to preach our senior camp. I'd been traveling all over the place. And I thought, man, this will be great. I get to go back. I'll see people I hadn't seen in years. And this was prior to the modernization of this campground when they put in air conditioning. And it's in Macon, Georgia. And Macon, Georgia is two blocks straight up from hell. 
It's the hottest place on the planet, I'm convinced. It's hot. And my shirt was just glued to my back. Anybody ever been in that situation? I mean glued. And I'm up preaching, and it's miserable. Not to mention, we're talking about distractions. You've got, what, 125, 160 teenagers on a concrete floor with metal chairs. You know, the kind that every time you move... It sounds like cattle going through there. Get them settled down enough that we can begin to preach the gospel. And I begin to preach. And I'm going to tell you. A horsefly, that big round, and I'm not exaggerating, lands in the middle of my back and brings a buddy. They are gnawing down. I'm preaching and I'm trying to do this number. I bring a friend of mine up there for an illustration. It was planned. If, nothing, if it hadn't been, it was planned anyway. Thinking he'll see the flies and swat them off my back. When I got back to my cabin that night, I had a blood stain that big around where these flies had tore me up while I was preaching. I preach, and he doesn't do nothing. My friend stands there the whole time. Afterwards, I go up to him and I say, Brent, why didn't you knock those flies off my back? He said, I thought it would distract you. I said, no, what distracted me was one saying, pass the steak sauce. You know, that kind of thing. They were having a good time. Distraction. Little things can take us off the path of God. That little fly took everybody's mind off of what was being debated between the vice president and Camilla. Right? Camilla, Camilla, whatever. Candy bar. That's what I think of. Caramel something. Debating. Fighting. And I'm focused on what? A fly. A few years ago, I was preaching in Greece. I have a southern draw. You may have figured that out. And for someone who is translating southern draw English into Greek, it's a challenge. And our translator's sitting there, and all of a sudden, he's going through. And sometimes he'd look at you and say, how do you say that? You'd have to replay You really find out that the power of God's real when you're stuck in those situations. And I'm not joking about that. But all of a sudden, my translator's translating for me, and a fly comes in the room, and all of a sudden, I'm preaching away, and I notice there's no Greek being repeated. And I look over and he's going. <laughs> Distractions. If we're not careful, we'll be so distracted we miss Jesus. We'll miss the miracle he's ready to do in our lives. If we're not so careful, we'll be so distracted this morning that we'll leave this place lost if we don't know Jesus. When Jesus says, if you'll just come to me, I will save you. I will rescue you from sin and death. If we're not so careful, we'll be so distracted, we'll miss an encounter with him on our Monday morning. If we're not so careful, we'll be so distracted by little things because the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things in life that begin to build up to the point that we're so distracted, so, so preoccupied. God's sitting here going, I'm here. I'm ready to meet with you. Oh, don't you know I can help you? Don't you know I want to help you? If you'll turn to me and we're distracted. 
little things. COVID has been a distraction for the church. Come on. Worldwide. And when it all boils down to it, what is that disease? But a microscopic thing you can't even see without a microscope. This little tiny thing has distracted us. And God's saying, I'm bigger. (laughs) I'm greater. And something like that cannot stop what God has planned for you and his people. If you'll put your life in the hands of Jesus. Is it fun to be broken? No. Is it fun? Do I shout through the breaking? No. But when the miracle's released, I stand just like the disciples with my jaw dropped and amazed that this Jesus is more than I thought he was. He's more than you think he is. And if you want to see that, it comes with giving over to Him. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed here, and I pray at home you're responding to this as well. But if you are here today, I just want to give you this. And, and again, if you're new, I don't, I don't drag you to the altar. I don't believe in that. I just feel like you need to respond freely if you're going to do that. But if you're in this room today, and you say, Pastor, I'm not saved I don't know if I'd go to heaven or not. I really don't. I know some people have told me I'd go to heaven, but I don't even know because I I have a real fear that I wouldn't make it. And I just need some assurance. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you're you're here saying, I need Jesus in my life because I want to go to heaven. I really do. I want him to, I want this God that is involved in my life. I want this God that can do all things. If that's you, while no one's looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you just to lift your hand and put it right back down. Come on, there's somebody in here. Thank you. There's some others in this room. Thank you. You, you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I know I do. Thank you. There's some others. Come on. There's some others. There's some others. And if that is you and you are ready to to meet Jesus, here's the big step. Take somebody by the hand and say, come pray with me. Come pray with me. I promise you, we'll welcome you with open arms. There's nobody here going to look down on nobody because we all had to make that walk. Don't walk out of here feeling lost. Don't walk out of here feeling like you don't have hope because you have hope. I'm here to tell you, it's right here. God is offering it. Pastor, I'll just pray here. I know you can do that, but listen, Jesus walked to the cross for you. All I'm saying is walk forward, kneel down. We'll pray. Somebody will meet you here. We'll pray with you and we will help you find Jesus. If that's you, come. Don't let pride keep you back. Don't let fear keep you back. God's ready to take your life, bless it, break it, and release a miracle. Come on, somebody needs to respond today. I've felt this strong for the last few weeks. There's some others in this room. Come on, there's some others. You need to respond. Come on, come on. God's ready to do a work in your life. God's ready to do a work in your life. God's ready to do a work if you'll let him. If you'll let him. There's some others. Come on. 
Now, maybe you know that you're saved. You know that you're going to heaven, but you're saying, Pastor, I have been so distracted. My mind has been torn in so many different directions. I don't know if I even hear God's voice anymore. And I'm ready to tune in to heaven. I'm ready to start hearing him again. I'm ready for my life to be a blessing and a miracle to everybody I come in contact with. If that is you, then I want you to respond right now by just lifting your hand and saying, Pastor, I need that in my life. I'm ready for the distractions to end. I'm ready to hear God's voice like I've never heard it before. Come on, there's some people need to respond to that. I'm telling you right now, God's dealing with your life and he's saying, you've been too distracted and I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to move in your life. I'm ready to give a miracle in you like you've never seen before. There's some others. There's others. If you've raised your hand, I want you to respond. I want you to come. I want you to find a place to pray. If you're not comfortable coming to the altar, pray at your seat. But let's find a place to pray. Let's find a place. The distractions have got to end. Somewhere they've got to end. Somewhere they've got to be over with. Those of you that are praying, don't stop till I get a chance to pray with you because I've I got to finish this altar call. Church, we've got to move forward. We have got to move forward. And we can no longer be distracted in that process. No longer distracted. But eyes focused on Jesus. Eyes focused on Jesus. God, help me. Help me. I'm distracted by my job. I'm distracted by my, by, by my home environment. I'm distracted by school. I'm distracted by work. I'm distracted, God, by so many things. Lord God, help me focus on you. If that's your prayer. I'll be honest with you, that's been my prayer over the last few weeks, over the last few months. God, I've been so distracted on how to have church, I failed to be the church. God, help us to be the church. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you'd like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.